welcome to another episode of Professors at Work from the American University of Beirut, where we interview every week a faculty member or researcher and talk to them about the work they're doing, why they chose this topic, what they're discovering, and what it means for the rest of us. Uh, this week, we have uh, Professor Fadi Jaddali, a tenured professor of health policy and systems and the director of the Knowledge to Policy, or K2P, program uh, at the uh, American University of Beirut Faculty of Health Science. Uh, Fadi, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Rami, for having me. Thank you. Uh, you're working in a, a field that is relatively new in terms of people trying to uh, take research and knowledge that is generated from universities and other research centers and use that knowledge to impact on policy. And your own background is you started in health administration. Uh, you were a practic practicing health administrator, and then you shifted more to policy, and now you're into research, and you're now trying to link all these things together. How does knowledge and research influence policy? Tell us a bit about how this uh, journey of yours happened, and then we'll talk about what you're discovering running the uh, knowledge to policy center, and particularly in the age of corona now, what, what is it that uh, knowledge is able to do to influence policy? Or maybe the knowledge is there, but the policies aren't listening. We'll hear what you have to say. Sure. Uh, thank you again, Rami. Uh, just, you know, to, to start, as you mentioned, in terms of my career, I started, in fact, in practice. I started in, in you know, health administration, health management. I was the director of a hospital, a community hospital. But I learned a lot during that practice, uh, uh, particularly at that time in 1996, as you as you know, with the Israeli aggression in South Lebanon and the Harab in the Al uh, Ghadab uh, War, uh, there was uh, and the Kana massacre and all this. And we've I've, I've started to question at that time as the health administrator why we don't have really an emergency preparedness plan in a country that has been really in constant crisis. And, and in constant war. And I started to get really more, more interested in policy and public policy in general. Uh, and then I moved to, uh, to Canada where I pursued my PhD in, in, in public policy. And then I worked in governments. I worked in three levels of government, uh, Ministry of Health of Ontario, the Federal Department of Health and the Health Council of Canada. And at that time I've learned really that policy is all about negotiation. There is a lot of trade-off, there's a lot of uh, uh, vested interest, there's a lot of other elements that come to play in developing policies and making policy uh, uh, policy decisions. Uh, more importantly, I've learned that, in fact, you can make you can make a lot of impact in changing policies, not necessarily by working within government, but you can actually make an impact by working outside the government. Mm. Then I decided to go to academia, where, in fact, uh, and this is mostly the interest I started to get in knowledge translation, is really how to promote a research agenda to start more promote a systematic use of evidence in policy and practice how we can push more uh, evidence in a systematic way into influencing informing uh, policy and and practice so this is really how it uh, it started for me and this mm -hmm. is how i get more into the field of uh, of knowledge translation particularly in the field of health policy and system research now, when I started at EB, and I have to say that, you know, the, particularly because the, the area of focus when it comes to policy is really health and social policy. And this is the area that I mostly 
focus on. Two things I've realized in, in Lebanon and the region. First of all, you know, there's a, there's a significant number of research being conducted, but sometimes the research that is being done on health and social policies are not necessarily uh, aligned with the priorities uh, uh, and sometimes are not policy relevant. So the question is really how you align research production with the priorities of government, particularly as a person like me coming from government and working government before, and you know how 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 priorities are really important and how important for to to try to influence those priorities, inform those priorities in order to influence action. So I started by that, and then and then uh, uh, more into into uh, uh, also realizing that a lot of significant research being published in academic institutions like UB, like other institutions in Lebanon and in the region, but limited uh, limited use of that evidence in policy. So we 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 don't see a systematic approach of using that evidence that is being published in high quality journal in order to actually get into the hand of policymakers at a timely way, in a user-friendly way, in order to actually inform decisions. As you know, many decisions, whether it's, it's related to laws, regulations, legislations, and others, sometimes, unfortunately, policymakers don't have access uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, to high quality evidence in a timely way or communicated in a user-friendly way. So I started really certainly interested in how we can make this system, how we can create a system where we can really make better use of the of the research that is being produced in order to influence decision making and policy making level. And thus, this is why I started interested and I've actually worked uh, so far more than 15 years, particularly in trying to to understand the interface between evidence, policy and politics and make sure that you know you know uh, more and more evidence is being used in a systematic way to influence and inform decisions of course evidence is not the only input into the decision making process there are many other inputs that come to play the question right. for us is really how we can make sure that at least input is used uh, sorry evidence is used as one input into the decision making uh, process. right let me just interrupt you there for a second uh, do you have clear uh, talking of evidence, do you have clear evidence that th this is happening in other countries? Have you experienced it in Canada or other places? Is this a local deficiency in Lebanon or Arab countries, or is this universal? That you know, evidence it, is, it is. It is more now uh, uh, global. In fact, uh, uh, Rami, because if you if you look at many countries, and more and more, I think most of the movement started early early in the year two thousand, where many uh, countries started to realize that there is a there is the research waste. There is a misalignment between what we produce versus what we consume when it comes to making decisions. And this is where maybe the movement started of really how to strengthen that field. So it started by using uh, uh, using the word of knowledge uh, transfer, then knowledge exchange, and now we have knowledge translation. How you can co-create, co-produce research and actually provide it uh, in a user-friendly way to inform decision-making and how you can make this institutional how to make yes. this part and parcel of how public policies are being done. Unfortunately, this is not institutionalized in many of our uh, governmental uh, departments, not only in Lebanon, in many countries in the region, but that's a movement that already started. Some countries now are making much more uh, progress in terms of that. You mentioned Canada as well as other countries. Now, it is a requirement in, in cabinet submission, in uh, reviewing, uh, reviewing laws and doing policy analysis, and even providing recommendations to the minister mm -hmm. or in the question and answer period in the cabinet, 
there should be uh, there should there is a requirement now that anyone that is providing uh, you know evidence or analysis you should really they should at least access certain high quality databases they should refer to the type of evidence that they have looked at and they should make sure that this is really high quality evidence so the expectation yeah. is starting to change and this is what we aim for in the context of Lebanon and the region yeah, uh, this is interesting because when we started the Hassan Faris Institute for Public Policy and International Affairs at AUB uh, back in 2006, and I was the first director and we worked with you in, in the early years, one of the things we did is at the beginning, we realized that nobody knew how policy was made in Arab countries. There had never been systematic studies. So we spent a few years just trying to understand how does policy happen so that we could see where we can, because uh, that was our mission at IFI, which is to take the incredible research that professors do and channel it to policymakers. And we we tried to understand that process and it proved very complex, but uh, we, we did learn many things as uh, you have more deeply in the field of, uh, in the field of health. Well, Rami, you, you reminded me, and I have to give you credit for that because I think you were the, among the first really to maybe support studies, policy analysis studies, particularly through IFI, when mm. you were a director. And if you recall, we worked together and to, to, to study the, the voluntary health insurance system in Lebanon. And we right. studied, we conducted a retrospective policy analysis exercise to understand why this, uh, this policy has failed. And if right. you recall, we, 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 by evidence, we showed that this decision was purely a political decision to tackle a, an urgent political problem and that evidence was not used to guide this policy. And at that time we took the finding and we went to the parliament and right. actually presented that because we wanted to show them that factors influencing policy making was really mostly political interests, sectarianism and others. And, and evidence unfortunately has not been used systematically uh, to do that. So we wanted to make sure that they can learn from failures so they right. can really better uh, work and to reform the system for cabinet submission and policy development. So thank well, you so, again. Oh, of course. Uh, <clears throat> so you've been working in this area now in Lebanon for 15 or more years. Where, where has your research taken you? What direction are you moving in? And then we'll, we'll finish up uh, later to talking about the uh, current moment with the COVID pandemic, uh, because this must be a, a moment of great opportunity uh, for work that you're doing. Yes. So one of the, you know, certainly over the last many years, we've, uh, uh, you know, invested a lot of work and efforts, and we also uh, attracted significant uh, uh, funds when it comes to to uh, shaping a knowledge translation agenda and a research agenda that focus on the interface between evidence policy and politics. So most of the work that I have done over the last uh, the last uh, many years has been focused uh, mostly on health and social policies but, but particularly in terms of really how to uh, to uh, uh, produce policy relevant and impactful research how to make sure that this is really related to priorities and more importantly how to ensure that you know the science of knowledge translation is really advanced enough so they can people can start you know using it in day-to-day -day operation in policy making this is most of the the uh, the work that i have focused on is really how to advance the uh, the science of knowledge translation in the context mm -hmm. not only of lebanon but the but the uh, uh, eastern mediterranean region that's why 
I've led several multi-country regional studies that looked at the climate for the use of evidence in policy making. Uh, we, we use a lot of advanced quantitative, qualitative uh, research techniques in order to actually understand how policies are being developed, how decisions are being made, what are some of the dysfunctions and gaps that exist in the way decisions are being made, mm -hmm. and more importantly, how to design a better system so decisions are much more uh, better, uh, better uh, designed evidence is being used and more importantly leading to good outcomes outcome when it comes to health and social uh, social system so we've conducted you know significant number of studies in the region and and beyond and at the same time uh, ramia you know we've also worked with the within eub in order to to create the uh, k2p center the knowledge to policy center that this is a center that is mostly focusing on, on again the to work on the interface between evidence policy and, uh, and politics and mm -hmm. to promote a collective problem solving approach working with stakeholders to co-create co-produce evidence but more importantly to use evidence and also another center that we created in collaboration with the faculty of medicine is spark which is a center for systematic review in health policy and system research because also we wanted to make sure that we start also producing high quality systematic reviews on priority areas this mostly fits under the whole spectrum of really are we conducting research on health and social uh, 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 policies based on priorities are we actually uh, using and packaging the evidence that is coming from that research to inform policy and are we making a policy impact are we making changes so we have some some examples uh, several examples we were able to you know more of of uh, inform uh, a the, the strategy for national mental health services in Lebanon. We were able to, to inform the, uh, the government response to promoting access to essential healthcare services for senior refugees. We were able to stop the salt fluoridation law that was, there was a lot of loopholes at that, uh, for that law, and we created the document that we showed policymakers that is really quite, uh, quite uh, you know, uh, dangerous to go with this law, and we were able to stop it. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. In addition, to, uh, uh, you know, uh, more, uh, more uh, contributing to, to uh, uh, areas related to preterm birth and reduced mortalities, uh, national alcohol, uh, alcohol harm reduction policies in collaboration with the task force and the and the group who were able to to change the contractual agreement and inform inform the uh, the way uh, the government is doing contractual agreement particularly the ministry of health with the private hospitals where we included certain indicators beyond just accreditation system in order mm -hmm. to ensure that for money uh, uh, among other uh, and this is just an example of some yes. of the examples of the impact so most of our work is mostly focusing on are we are we uh, doing a, an impact oriented uh, uh, research are we doing an impact oriented project and i think this is what uh, yeah. let, let me interrupt to ask you a question there in most of these cases are you initiating the work you say look this is an area where we know there's a problem and we can help or are you responding to calls from government agencies or maybe private health center people who say look we need help it's 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 both. It's not an either or, uh, uh, Rami. Many times we get uh, we get approached by you know uh, I uh, you know uh, whether the government entity, uh, ministry, or other NGO and others, and we work a lot with many institutions, public and 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 uh, civil society groups uh, in terms of informing, shaping, influencing the agenda of government. So we get approached on certain priority areas, but at the same time, sometimes we take the initiative, Rami. 
because we feel that this is part of our uh, uh, contribution. This is part of our uh, social responsibility to, to respond. Again, I'll give you an example. When the case of Ella Tamnus, unfortunately, that there was a medical error at that time that happened, we uh, automatically we intervened and we produced a policy brief about how to promote patient safety. And right. we ended up, in fact, conducting dialogue that actually led to changing the whole accreditation system of hospitals in Lebanon because of this particular phase. So we use this as a focusing event because right. everybody was speaking about it. It was an opportunity, as you know, in policy, sometimes crises are opportunities for change. So right. we, uh, same thing with COVID-19, and if we have time, we can talk about it, where, you know, sometimes you, 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 you know there is, a, there is, a, there is a, a gap, there is a void there, and you, there is something that needs to be filled. And sometimes we don't wait for that request to come, and we actually contribute. So it's really, you know, both ways sometimes we respond, and we have the rapid response component that sometimes, you know, as you know, uh, governments are challenged by making quick decisions. And sometimes they make the decision regardless if evidence exists or not. Uh, uh, you, know, you know, look at the, at the, uh, the, uh, the uh, social assistance card, that, yes. has, that has been issued, unfortunately, uh, uh, a few weeks ago. I have to tell you that, you know, there is a lot of gaps and loopholes in that decision. Lots of challenges when it comes to the ministerial committee that is uh, tasked to in order to provide the guidelines or the mechanism of how they're going to implement it. Sometimes they don't put a lot of effort on that and that they, they just want to, to produce a policy to show the public that things are happening. But when it comes to implementation, there's a lot of gap. And this is what we try to actually inform and shape and influence. So we make sure that the policies that's being developed are, will not fail at the time of implementation. Unfortunately, we have a lot of examples of policies that fail at the level of implementation, Rami, just because, right. unfortunately, there hasn't, they haven't been design, designed very well. There was no right. engagement. It was a political decision. And thus, unfortunately, people will pay the price for policy failure. Right. We, we only have about four minutes, four or five minutes left. I'd like to hear your experience with the current situation with the COVID pandemic. I, I remember seeing, uh, reading a report you did, I guess about a year ago, when the first wave was a little bit controlled and you put out this ter terrific report where you gathered all the information from around the world about how do you open up society again after you lock it down. And that struck me as a, as a great example of the kind of uh, service that you can provide to policymakers. But tell us about broadly your experience in the pandemic era and uh, what is it you've learned? Sure. As you know, the COVID-19 pandemic Rami, has really placed uh, unprecedented pressure, I have to say, on decision makers at all levels to make rapid decisions. Uh, at the time, there was a lot of uncertainty and still we have some uncertainty. Uh, uh, you know, at the at the time of uncertainty and the life and the, the time of rapid decisions, you need to use the best available research evidence and data so you can actually guide your decision. So this is should be an integral of an effective and efficient response. Right. Uh, that's why at the time of the pandemic, at that time, even uh, even before we had the first uh, the first case of COVID-19 in Lebanon, we started to realize the need for that. So we realized that or we recognized that there is a need for a trustworthy source of evidence during the pandemic. That's why we, at the K2P, we launched the COVID-19 series initiative. And the plan was to inform the pandemic response 
by harnessing the best available evidence and data and making them accessible to policymakers, stakeholders, and citizens. So, so uh, you know, it just it's a, it's important when when making you know urgent decision to ensure that you know the evidence is credible, timely, relevant, accessible. So this is how we really uh, uh, started, uh, uh, and that's why many many decision makers were really under tremendous challenge, and they need something that is quite uh, you know a, a rapid response. So that's why we activated yeah. the rapid response mode within K2P, we've actually more produced a suite of different products from how the Lebanon should respond to, to lockdown measures, to, to what primary care centers, hospitals should do, to, to many, like really we have more so far, more than 24 products. And lately wow. we've used even a modeling about vaccination in order to push the government to expedite the, the coverage and the reach for vaccination. 24, so, 24 products just on the COVID. Yes, from yes, right. from everything, from how to respond up until right. to how to actually better vaccinate. So, right. what I'm trying to say that at the time of crisis, uh, Rami, decision makers, practitioners are are swamped by tsunami of information. Right. But many of the information at the time of pandemic were really not reliable. So that's why we need to make sure that there is a systematic, transparent message to look at the evidence, how to package it, send it to the decision maker at the same time. When we've done now about the Bita'a, the social assistance card, Bita'a Tamuli, we actually made sure that this goes to all political parties, to all the major parliamentarians, and also to the to the uh, to the committee, ministerial committee that is really you know uh, dealing with this, because we want to make sure that they have this in place uh, when they mm -hmm. have actually uh, you know look and deliberate about this. The one thing right. we've learned from this, Rami, that we, at the time of, of uh, urgent response, you go, you need to go beyond the conventional type of and source of evidence. So that's why, you know, we need to make sure that there is a lot of uncertainty and we need to acknowledge and be open about those uncertainty and inform decision maker uh, about, about, uh, about uh, the issue. Uh, many times, the evidence sometimes is not easy to understand or interpret or apply. So that's why right. we created that rapid response usually friendly approach in order to inform decision making and at least inform and influence their decisions. Right. We've we've just about run out of time. I want to ask you one more question. Did you find yourself in this current situation having to continue all the work you're doing aiming to put into the hands of decision makers uh, and health professionals uh, uh, useful credible advice based on uh, science, but also having to, to maybe educate the public is this a new avenue of work for you? Yeah, well, this is what one of the key lessons, and I think we have to write a paper of that or planning to do that, that we've realized that before the pandemic, we used to only communicate, communicate evidence upstream, and we used to go directly to policymakers, ministers, and parliamentarians. One important lesson we've learned that, you know, it's important to start thinking about different type of communication, unconventional way, with also with the with the uh, the uh, unusual suspect when it comes to uh, decision making, much of the impact we've made from the product we produce was actually some of the products that were uh, tailored to citizens, products that were tailored to municipalities, products that were tailored to primary care centers and hospitals. Right. They've actually had it even much easier for them to use it in order to actually inform and change practice. So that's one of the lessons. We, we've learned that only you need to communicate and translate evidence upstream and downstream. Well, well, this is a, an extraordinary story and a great example of how a university can play um, a wider role in society other than just 
educating his students and doing some research in the lab. Uh, so unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, Fadi Zadali, a tenured professor of health policy and systems and director of the Knowledge to Policy Center at the Faculty of Health Sciences at AUB. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much, Rami, for having me. Thank you so much. You bet. And thank you to our audience. Uh, join us again next week for another episode of Professors at Work. I'm Rami Khoury, your host. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.